this week as I was preparing to the message, and I came up with a title and sent it to Susan. I said inadvertently from my office, said, man, we need to get Steve Urkel on this. And she said, why? I said, because the title of the sermon is, did I say that? Now, I know that his main theme is, did I do that? But there are a couple of episodes where Steve Urkel said, did I say that? So that's what she did. She's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. So this wonderful picture that I love so much is because of Susan. She did a great job on that. I love that photo. But, you know, many times I've heard people make statements to me and things that I would consider as a commitment. They gave me their word that they were going to do or say something, and, and something would happen that, that they weren't able to fulfill that commitment. And in the past, when I was much younger, that always left me with a, with a raw feeling. I always felt like they lied to me. But that's not always the case. Keeping commitments are sometimes hard to do. And Jesus addresses that in our passage of Scripture today. From Matthew 5, chapter, yeah, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. He says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows that you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your words be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you. and I ask that during this time, Father God, that you have given me words of hope and inspiration, but to empty me of my own will and my own desire to speak, but to help me focus on the movement of the Spirit within and the words that you would have spoken. Father, I just ask that you fill me with your Spirit, that today's message will touch and change the lives of your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of that particular verse comes out of the Bible is concerning oaths. And, and a lot of times when we hear the word oath, what we think of is when we go to court, we place our hand on a Bible and we raise our other hand and, and we swear to, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. An oath back in Israel's time, because they were lacking contractual procedures, they didn't have the capability of writing out a contract and saying that I'm going to commit to doing something on paper where you would sign it and it would be legally binding. They had to be certain that the person that they were making a deal with was a person of deep integrity. They were able to keep their words. Now, when we talk about oath and the words oath and swear, what we don't realize is what their true meanings are, especially during this biblical time. An oath, some would say, is something that fences a person in. And it does. If I make an oath to you today and I swear by it that I'm going to do something, then I have fenced myself in, that, that I can't allow myself to go beyond the boundaries of what I've said, that I have to do what it is that I've said. And that can be a difficult thing to do, not just because I may not want to, but because circumstances around me may change. That's what was pointed out in the passage that we read earlier from James, where the person says that today or tomorrow I'm going to go into such and such town and do something. 
But the problem is, is that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can tell you today that I'm going to do something tomorrow and something happens in my life that prevents me from doing that. It's not that I told a lie. It's that what I should have done was just simply let my yes be yes and no be no. Yes, I'm going to do it so long as circumstances are in our favor. Yes, I'm going to do it so long as the Lord wills it. And oftentimes God's will is discovered by what we experience in life. Things change, and that's all that there is to it. And this, this sermon is, is an example of that. Because I planned on speaking to you today about keeping your word. But there are circumstances going on in the world today that warrants a different message. Something that I think is more important than the message I had prepared. Do you know that this past Wednesday, at 10 o'clock, a group of college students in Wilmore, Kentucky, at Asbury Seminary, went to a regularly scheduled chapel service. 10 o'clock, and that service ran to around 10.45. And when the service was over and, and everyone was supposed to leave and go back to the classes that, that they had said that they were going to, that they had signed up for, a small group of people remained in that chapel. And they didn't just hang out to see how each other was doing. They, they remained in there to continue praying and singing. And when one of the students who was, who was leaving the chapel service and was headed to her 11 o'clock class got outside the building and she heard the singing, she became curious as about to what was going on inside, but she was going to continue on to the class. But, but in her words, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said that there was something more important happening in the world right now than attending a class. And she turned around and went back into that auditorium. And she didn't go alone. Revival broke out at that college. God poured out his Holy Spirit on a small gathering of people there. And that service that began at 10 o'clock Wednesday morning is still continuing today. And it didn't just impact that small group of people. It spread out into the community, into other churches, into other colleges. And those people began pouring in. Church service lasting 24 hours a day where people come forward and experience the healing power of God, where they come forward and experience His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. People who are experiencing the Holy Spirit in ways that they never have don't even want to leave. They are standing up and reading scriptures aloud. They're giving their own testimony about the things that God has done in their life. They're coming forward, some of them, for the first time and giving their lives to Christ. And they are gathering at the altars with people so deep that, that many can't even reach the altar. That, that the line goes from the altar back into the sanctuary. It's an amazing thing that is happening in our world right now. 
We look around and see all the horrible things that are happening in our government and the world that, as a whole. But, but we need to take our eyes off from those things and look at the things that God is doing. He did not call us to, to defeat. He called us to victory. And too many times we're looking at our world and the condition of it, thinking that it's done, that it's over. It's not done and it's not over. Revival has fallen and it's reaching out into the land. And it's not much like it was in the days of the disciples when Jesus had departed and he told his disciples to, to not leave Jerusalem but stay and wait for the promise that was coming. And that day came when God poured out his spirits upon the people in Jerusalem. That they began speaking in new tongues and they found themselves empowered to do and see life in a new and mighty way. And I think that that's what's needed in our life today is revival. That we come to a point that we realize that, that what has happened in the past has happened and, and it's gone and it's time to move forward. But, but we have a difficult time seeing what tomorrow looks like. But when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we feel the move in our hearts and He empowers our being. New life comes. At that day that the Spirit fell, the, the people in Jerusalem didn't realize what was happening. They were looking at those who were speaking in tongues and they were saying to them, aren't these the Jews of this land that are speaking? And then why is it that I hear them speaking in my own language? And some were saying that, that they must be drunk because of the way that they were acting erratically. But Peter comes forward and he stands before the people. And he says to the people, don't think that they're drunk. Don't think that they're consumed by some foreign substance. What you need to know is this. They are consumed by something. And they are empowered by something. But it's not something of this world. It is something that is supernatural. And it's something that, that can only come from the Father. They, my friends, are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he went on to say that, that this is not a new idea, it's not a new thought, but it is the prophetic voice of the prophet Joel and his words coming to pass. As he said, that God declared that in the last days that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, on your sons and your daughters, for they shall prophesy... And I will pour out my spirit upon your young men and your young women, and they shall have visions. And on your old men and old women, they shall dream dreams. These are signs of life, signs of vitality in the world in which we live. It is a time when we don't depend upon our government or our circumstances to bring peace and happiness to us. It's a time when we depend on our God and His Word and living in His presence to be not just enough, but more than enough to sustain life. And I like how Joel pointed out the different types of things that people would experience. That young men would see visions. And when we think about visions... We think about them in relation to dreams, that, that they're somehow just a, a figment of our imagination, something that we think of or hope of. 
But in biblical terms, a vision is this. It is something that is inspired by God. It is instruction, so to speak, of God giving a person, of, of telling them how to walk and, and how to talk and, and how to look into tomorrow and see hope and know that it's more than just a dream. Those are the people that we call visionaries. Those are the ones that, that we depend on as a people to move us through today into our future. And those, to me, are the prophets of God, where God shares his vision with them. And not only do they share those visions, but they find ways to bring them about. And I sometimes think of the older people in my lives. I know when my mom was later in life that she began to stop dreaming and hoping for tomorrow. And I don't think she really and truly understood what it meant to dream. You see, when we have these active thoughts of our imagination, when we see what we want something to be or, or what tomorrow should look like, we experience a hope that somehow, some way, it will come to pass. You know, a person who dreams is a person who brings hope into a dying world. And when they dream about the things that God can do, they find a reason to live. I can't tell you how many mothers and fathers I've seen in my time who dreamt of their children coming to know Christ Jesus. Because they knew that, that their children who were lost and, and living lives of destruction would be made whole and find peace and happiness in that occurrence. But they don't know how to make that dream become a reality. You see, sometimes I think that, that it's not the dreamer's responsibility to make it become a ra reality. I think it's the dreamer's responsibility to keep that dream alive and to know and trust that, that God himself will work in all circumstances throughout time to make it happen on their behalf. You see, our dreamers have to keep dreaming so that the rest of us can keep living you may think that, that your dream is unimportant and doesn't matter, but people look to you for, their, for your dream. When they see that you maintain hope and that you refuse to surrender and that you refuse to give up, you're inspiring them to move forward, not just in their own lives, but to follow you in your own mission. But for the dreamer, sometimes it's like this. I watch my little girl as she goes into the kitchen to begin baking and cooking. Now in my mind, I can see the idea of how I want that wonderful cake or that wonderful cookie to look or taste. And I can think about it and I can ponder it and I can dream about it. But yet I have no inclination on how to bring it to pass. 
But my daughter, the one with the vision, the one with the intellect, the one who God speaks to, to give instruction, to take my dream and turn it into a vision, and then take that vision and turn it into reality. You see, she takes her skills and her insight and takes my dream and makes it real. So don't ever think that your dream is not worth dreaming. Because you yourself may not know how to make it a reality. And you yourself may not have the resources available to make it reality. But you hold on to your dream because a day is coming that God is going to bring that visionary into your life to make your dream real. That's how God works in our lives. Each and every one of us given a, a different gift or ability. And each and every one of us depending upon one another. But before we begin to depend upon one another, we as individuals and we as a church must first depend upon God to wait patiently for Him to answer our prayers. To not give up in the fight, but act reasonably and responsibly. And not to act with jealousy if someone else can do something that you can't. But accept their gifts as a gift from God to, to help walk you down that path to bring reality into life. And sometimes it takes a little more for us to do that. Sometimes it takes a revival in our hearts and our minds, and it takes a revival in our spirits and other and, and to keep things moving forward. Because sometimes we as a people are tired and we want to give up. And those are the days, my friend, when we don't give up. We keep looking, we keep praying, and we keep hoping. And even if we only receive an ounce of energy to keep moving, know that that energy came from God. You see, the Holy Spirit came into this world for a purpose and with a mission. To be a mighty counselor, to, to speak to us when we are lacking discernment. To be the, the great comforter, to, to say to us that, that you as a people are not alone. Not only are you surrounded by family and friends, but you are accompanied by God himself along your path. And I think sometimes that if we pray for the Spirit to fall afresh, and we are consistent in that prayer. And we, when we mean that prayer with every ounce of our being, then we too would experience revival in our lives. That we would re be revived to not seek out the things of the world, but to be focused on seeking out the nature of God. You know, I've been reading a book here lately. And it's called How to, to Find God's Will in Your Life. And he starts out with the books by stating, 
that he's a preacher who comes into the pulpit and the first thing he says to the people is, I have the answer that we are all looking for. I know the will of God for your lives. And people just latch on to that statement because they want to know. They want to hear, what college should I go to? What field of learning should I take? What job should I go into? And whom shall I marry? And he points out real quickly that when we seek the will of God, those are not the things that we are to seek. That the will of God is this, to be holy because God is holy. That the will of God is to to seek out understanding of his word and his desire for how we as a people should live. To honor God with the way we live and love one another and to worship him not just because of what he has done but because he is holy. That is the will of God for our lives. And if we remain true to scripture then we have nothing to worry about for the rest of our days. The scripture teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all else will be added. You see, if we hold on to our dreams and visions that that God implants in us, and we seek him out in each and every circumstance that is presented to us, that if we seek holiness above self, then we will experience God in a new and mighty way. God has called us for purpose. And he has called us to meaning. But most importantly, he has called his children unto salvation that they will never be separated from a loving father but they will live eternally in the presence of God. Everything else will work itself out in due time. But focus on the Father and all else will be added. Pray for the Spirit of God to to come into your lives to revive your hearts and your minds, to encourage you to face another day and face that day with certainty that you are loved and empowered to do the things that God has for you. And in these things, you will find peace and happiness and joy. Joy that cannot be known to anyone that is not in the presence of the Father. So when I look to what's going on at that small college in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I see the passion and the fire that exists among them, I only imagine what would happen if we experienced that same thing here. 
And it's not a people thing. It's a spirit thing. So would you pray with me this week that God would send his spirit afresh upon us that we too may be a light that reaches out to the world for the glory of God. So you see, I didn't lie when I said that this is what the sermon was going to be. But if we let our yes be yes and our no mean no, then we give the Spirit of God the opportunity to change our lives each day as we encounter Him. Let us pray. Father God, as we close the service today, we thank you for being with us. And, and Father, we ask that, that what's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky, Father God, we ask that you continue that blessing, that the world will look to them and see your power once again. And let that power to continue to spread from, from that place into our hearts and into our minds, not just here but throughout the world. Let us know once again what it's like to, to feel your invigorating touch, to set us on fire for to have the passion for prayer and ministry and to have hearts to seek you in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, through your grace and by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, Father God, I ask that you bless each and every one gathered here today. And as we go out into the world, let us go out carrying a flame of passion and a flame of love that would glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.